0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Orrin from Hoop Brands. I'm still looking at player ladders, trying to evaluate players as we get ready for the 2021 NBA Draft. We've been talking a lot about current players in the NBA and the stats that we use. Uh, to determine um, our rankings and our ladders, which is you know pretty important. It's important for, um, now it's important for contracts, too, because guys are getting paid or not on the basis of all NBA selections. Um, and, of course, it's just always a lot of fun. And so my guest today is Elliot. Um, and, and Elliot's got kind of a different angle on some player ladders right now. Um, that I thought would be a really interesting topic to get into. So, Elliot, what's up? Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm
1: Elliot. Um, and we're going to talk about top draft steals for each team. And this one is Golden State
0: Warriors. That's nice. So we're we're going into the draft right now. We're saying like who who are our biggest steals. So first of all, I'll just like start with like wh- what makes a steal. Like what qualifies in your mind I'd as a say steal? Two things: draft position
1: and how valuable they were compared to the other players in that draft. Okay. Especially to their team, because you could have a guy who ends up being really good, but not for the team he's drafted.
0: Oh, okay. Got you. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying a steal, it's like it's specifically for that team. Like, did that team... I think it's a
1: mix, which is why someone like Clay Thompson or someone like Draymond. Draymond's like a perfect example. He might be more valuable as a steal than, I don't know, anyone that was... Like Gilbert Arenas, who was also drafted by the Warriors. Yeah. But he wasn't as good on the Warriors as he was on
0: the Wizards. As he was on the Wizards, right. So it's got to, meaning like the value has to ultimately return to the team that initially made the pick. Yeah, that's part of it. To really call it a steal. Mm -hmm. So that's a part. And then the other part is what? Um, The other part is just how good they were
1: with their, whatever pick they were.
0: Yeah, Yeah. just
1: like their overall... I'm going to put second-rounders higher than I would put like a first-rounder, usually. Right,
0: yeah. And so before we get into the Warriors, is there anyone, like, if you had to name like the biggest draft steal playing in the NBA right now, and I'm putting you on the spot with that question because you did your Warriors research, Um, but since you've thought a lot about this topic, can can you start us there at the top, and then we'll we'll get to Golden State? Yeah, so Draymond Green was a draft steal. Jake Crowder, I know, was a
1: draft steal. Yeah. Even... Well, Jokic, obviously. Like, he's definitely, I don't know why I didn't think of that, but he's definitely the top draft steal um, in the NBA. And
0: yeah, I Even mean, Will Barton. Will Barton, yeah. Abs- yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jokic, probably, I'm, as where I was, my mind was, I would have yeah. I, I been surprised if you didn't come up with that. But in my mind, Jokic, like, he could probably go down in the NBA as, like, the biggest draft steal in NBA history. Yeah, him and uh, Ginobili, maybe after. My, yeah, because my, Manu was... Was he second round?
1: Yeah, he was yeah. second round. He, he was pretty far. I he, mean, you even have, like, Drazen Petrovic, I think. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, he Petrovic. He was 60.
0: Wow. I didn't yeah. Even, yeah. So, all right. So, if I had to just start on that topic, I am I might right now um, go with Manu as the biggest strategy, simply because he's got rings, right? Yeah. Jokic get some rings, then we, we could talk. Um, but probably in, in today's NBA, the modern NBA, um, I like that as probably the the all time draft heist. Yeah, yeah. i i most I mostly agree. Although honestly,
1: I might even say Jokic. Yeah. Just because of how good he has been, how he's been like Manu was always good, but he was never the best player on his team. He was True. always he was a great scorer, great at everything, but he was like a six man for most of his time. He was the best six-man. Like, yeah, the best six-man, yeah. But he wasn't really on Jokic's level. Yeah. Jokic is, like, I mean, he's an MVP.
0: He's an yeah, He's so, Yeah, he's a runaway MVP. I'd
1: probably have him as...
0: As the top, all-time, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I will still hold to, to Manu right now, mm-hmm. and we could probably, like, research this and have a better discussion yeah. about it, because I, I would say the Spurs... There's at least... Uh, one less ring in yeah. the in the Spurs collection, if not for Ginobili. And that's, so I, I really believe that his impact on that team and that franchise um, resulted in at least one of the rings that they they pulled together during his time. But let's um, let's shift gears right now and talk about the Warriors. Um, and so you you've done some research on this and give us your your ladder right now, your rankings of the all time. Top draft Steals for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah,
1: so this was I didn't spend as much time as I could have actually researching, but I found who they who they did draft who were who could be considered steals. So my list my original list is Draymond, Curry, Hardaway, Clay, Monte Ellis, Arenas, and Sprewell. Okay. So now looking back. I might put Arenas at the bottom just because he was probably the worst for the Warriors on this list.
0: Right, so per your criteria, like, they have to have an impact on that team.
1: Yeah, I understand Arenas was definitely better than Spreewell, like, different level. But I think Spreewell had some really great years with the Warriors. Yeah. Um, And if not for all the, you know, getting in trouble and everything, and maybe he had injuries. If not for that, he'd definitely be a lot better, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know, my only push is like, you know, Spreewell, some people don't remember, but I mean, Spreewell for the Knicks in uh yeah. in the I believe it was Final. 1999. Yeah, for the finals. I mean, he he led. I mean, it was a, it was a season that was shortened by the uh player strike that year. Oh, yeah. But I mean, Spreewell was basically the man. Him and Allen Houston were the guys that carried the Knicks all the way to the NBA finals where they lost to the San Antonio Spurs we are just yeah. talking about. So, I yeah, I mean, I, Sprewell, to me, going, Sprewell at 24, um, he had some great years for Golden State. And, I mean, I, I think Sprewell... Above Arenas? I would put Sprewell above Arenas. I yeah. You know, I never really saw... I mean, we'd have to do our homework on this, but Gilbert Arenas' impact on winning, um, I think, it was significantly less than Latrell Sprewell, who really did play both ends of the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So and that's then, where we're at. Yeah, so go go back to the top of your list for a second. So Draymond, I mean, say just a few things about Draymond because I think so it's, it's clear we know where he is. The reason I have Draymond on as the
1: first is I'd say maybe the top reason is just because he is the draft steal. He is a draft steal catalyst. He is like when you think of a draft steal, you think of Draymond. Yeah. You know, you have Manu, you have Jokic, but especially for the Warriors, like Draymond is one of the top draft steals of all time. He's like – Kind of like a Ben Wallace too, right? So yeah, I have him at the as the top one, and all the value he brought to those uh, dubs teams. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, but it was a little controversial because a lot of people uh, had said Curry as the top draft steal.
0: Now Curry, remind us like what what number did he go he in the uh draft? He Two went pick seventh.
1: Okay, and that was kind of the reason I didn't put him as the top draft steal just because originally I would have wanted out of the lottery. Right. But I understand that he's kind of a steal because, like, I mean, it's amazing. He should have gone. You know, they had Harden, they had Blake. But besides that, like, he definitely should have gone earlier.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's hard. You know, normally you wouldn't think of a draft steal as a a lottery guy, a seventh pick. Um, But we are talking about, like, arguably or maybe it's not even an argument anymore the best shooter of all time in the history of the NBA yeah. um so i think like almost anything below like 3 for someone like that and you're like man yeah. that's that's that a steal that's draft steal
1: what say Draymond above him just so yeah. cuz of the where he was yeah and
0: then, i mean maybe for another debate we could ask like in terms of our best players of all time which of them was drafted the lowest yeah. Could be another interesting research assignment at some now, point. Yeah. I had Tim Hardaway as my third, but
1: honestly, I'm not really sure. So I want to hear thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. Hardaway. So what What number? Hardaway was picked 14. Hardaway
1: was 14 and Clay as my fourth was 11. Yeah. And now I'm like – because no one – I've never heard of anyone comparing the two. Okay. They're very different. So it's really hard for me to compare them.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> – it, yeah, it's tough to compare. I mean, as players, well, certainly, I mean, they're both, like, unbelievable scorers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway, uh, you know, the, the the Tim Hardaway, Chris Mullen years, Yeah, and uh, the run TMC run um, for Golden State. I mean, Golden State was terrible. They were kind of a joke. They were like a nothing team before yeah. those guys showed up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when, when those guys arrived... Um, it really, in many ways, like it gave Golden State this identity of this like exciting, high-scoring team. Um, that said, not a lot of playoff success.
1: Yeah, where you have Thompson and all those championships, and that was that was the main argument people had said that you know even if Tim Hardaway's three picks later, yeah, it still doesn't make up for the fact that Clay helped win all those championships. So yeah. it's a hard. Case to make. Yeah, and
0: I mean, I kind of think about the draft. I mean, the way I think about the draft is, like, who you, comes after? Well, after. I think it's, like, you know, your one through five guys, mm-hmm. like, are generally, like, those are your, or what we usually think are going to be your, like, future superstars. Yeah, That's, like, a tier. And then, you know, maybe, like, kind of five to ten is another tier. I think, like, from 10 to 15 or 20, Um, all of that, to me, is, like, kind of interchangeable. So mm-hmm. Hardaway at 14... Clay at eleven. Yeah, I feel like those are might as well be the same number, mm-hmm. in the, like in terms of the draft pick. And right. then if we said that Clay has had more of an impact on winning for the
1: Warriors, especially
0: because like Hardaway
1: was good on the Heat too. Clay's only been on the Warriors. Clay's
0: only been on so the Warriors. That,
1: so no, you know, looking back at it now, I'd probably put Clay. You
0: probably you probably re rank like yeah.
1: Clay not the type of guy where he'd be your best player on a team if you were to just. Yeah, I, mean, he, I mean, he'd he be good, but like, I don't, I can't see how it would go. I'm not sure they'd be that great if you get rid of Curry, you get rid of Draymond, and then you have a, like a good passing point guard in Clay. Yeah. It could be nice. They could score a lot, but I don't know if that's as good where Tim Hardaway is more of like. The leader of the team, he's right? The main ball handler, the main scorer. Yeah. So hard to say, but I would say Clay as the steal.
0: Who Who do you think ultimately added more value to the the Warriors' like unbelievable run of championships, Draymond or Clay? Or is that just too hard to say? I would say Clay, just because
1: he's just such a great shooter. Like Draymond was great with defense. Yeah. But the way Clay was able to help. Curry. Like yeah. I'd say you could see Curry's game like elevated when he played with Clay. Absolutely. It's just like they bounced off each other. They were really good. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, we'll come up in a in a second we'll talk about Monte Eldis. Like he was good, but like him and Curry couldn't really play that well together. Where right. Uh, Curry and Clay were like amazing. amazing so, yeah. I'd probably say, Clay. and
0: it, I, you know, I'm also gonna go ahead and say, I mean, Draymond, you know, obviously has the reputation as a defensive enforcer. And he's a
1: facilitili-
0: facilitator. Facilitator doesn't need a lot to take a lot of shots. Yeah, yeah. But Clay Thompson, man, don't sleep on his defense either. Mm-hmm, yeah. he, he is. Um, I mean, he's a really tough defender. Yeah, um, who can you know somewhat easily guard three or four positions on the court. Um, and, and, like, allowed the, that Warriors... I mean, the Warriors, their identity in more recent times were now, you know, past the Hardaway and the Curry years. Um, when Mark Jackson was turning that team around, mm-hmm. um, they were actually a defensive team first, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they built their defensive character and identity. Andrew Boga was there. Andrew Bogut, yeah. before... Even they, they, you know, they started to to really take off on the offensive end, which yeah. I think most people think of them as like this incredible shooting Definitely. team.
1: Well, th- those were their real winning years. Like maybe before, they were like yeah. second round teams, first round. And,
0: and Clay Thompson, we haven't done enough of our homework to look at some of his actual numbers defensively. Yeah,
1: he's, he's good. I'd say he could really do anything, but be the main ball handler.
0: Absolutely. I I think you could have made a case for a couple of those years. That Clay Thompson was the best two-way player in the M- in the NBA, right? Yeah, and let's maybe. hope that he comes back now from two years out on injury. I want to say
1: Kawhi, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, in some of those years, years um, yeah. it, Kawhi, I think too. you could have been between Kawhi and and, and Clay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a uh, you know, uh, so I think that's all to say that uh, that Clay is probably third on your list. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So then
1: you have Tim Hardaway.
0: And then yeah. And then
1: so the last three. I think we put Spreewell at six. Yep. I have Monta Ellis above Spreewell okay. because he went at pick forty, and I feel like that's yeah that's way too far to have Spreewell at twenty four go above him. Right. And Monta Ellis was still great for the Warriors. You know, he was he's like one of those good scorers who's very inconsistent. Right. Yeah. He's like a. I mean, he. You know, you have players like Chris Middleton, where they could like be really great, and then have some not as great games, and that was kind of what he did. But he yep. was a guard. Um, but yeah, I definitely would put him above Spreewell.
0: Absolutely, and, and at number forty, I mean, that's a classic steal, right? I mean, yeah. just just the fact that. Um, you know, I'm not a Golden State Warriors fan, and, and like, or you know, and we I, probably I could put a bunch of other people in a room who are reasonable NBA fans, and like, 75 percent of them would have even heard of Monta Ellis. Yeah,
1: no, I, he played behind maybe like Baron Davis at the beginning, right? So you wouldn't like, have known
0: Let's let's go and name the like the last 10 number 40 picks, and my guess is that at least eight or nine of them, like even most NBA fans, probably never even heard of. Yeah, so I'm with you putting Monte Ellis high on the list. That, that's good stuff, man. It's good research. Um, I think before we wrap up, my kind of big picture question for you about draft steals is like, what? Like, what do you think is behind? Like, why are we still with all the analytics in the game, with all the information that we have on players, um, and with like these high powered uh, computers and genius NBA brains like why do we still get this wrong more often than we get it right? What's um, your take on that?
1: So I mean you know you have you see what the players look like before they're in the NBA but some players can't change their game when they get to the NBA they're yeah. still stuck in their college days right you know I think college is a lot slower yeah and so that can make a big difference uh, for i I guess I, I never I've never been a big college basketball person. Yeah. I think I will be in the future just because it's pretty important. I'm sure you will. A player like Cody Zeller, I think he was good in college. Yeah. And when he came to the NBA, he was just really average. Right. Like he should not have been picked at, I think it was spot. He was at pick four. Okay. Uh, Yeah. That, you know, so, and then you have players who like have a lot to, you know, they need to work really hard. Christian Wood is an example. Yeah. He had yeah. to go through so much. But you could tell that he had that drive to really yeah. elevate his game and get attention. And even Isaiah Thomas is a little like the Monte Ellis situation where it's like right. in IT, you know, obviously was better in his prime. But Isaiah Thomas was really small. People didn't think he'd be that great. Yep. When he came in, even his first few years, he was, like, pretty decent. He yeah. definitely surprised some people. Um, and when he went to the Suns, not a, you know – I'd say most people, even Celtics fans, would have been like, wait, he played for the Suns? Like, right. They don't yeah. know. But he was he was good on that team. He was good with Dragic and Yeah. So, and then when he goes to the Celtics, it's like Brad Stevens, even if people want to put down his coaching, for those years with Isaiah Thomas, he was a great coach. He, yeah. yeah. He knew how to use IT as the main right. <clears throat> scorer and the main everything, and he had everyone play around Isaiah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. think you're putting your finger on it, which is like there's something that's really difficult to predict about a guy's improvement trajectory yeah. um, when they've never had the sort of experience of just the being fully surrounded and immersed with, like, these teams of trainers, nutritions, strength and conditioning coaches, yeah. shooting coaches, like, this the way NBA teams are staffed up Um, to help a guy improve is just it's so much different than anything else that they've experienced I mean so many got young guys now they're switching coaches all the time they're on four different AAU teams they change high schools two or three times like they've never had like the kind of dedicated teams around them of people who are trying to like make them better
1: and it's also about like how much you have to lose or win yeah like uh for example, Anthony Edwards. He played yep. great this year. Yep. But at the beginning, he wasn't doing that well. And, right. Because he has a lot to lose. He's the first pick. You know? Exactly. Yeah. He's got to really show out. And then you have a player like Halliburton, who, even though yes, he was in the lottery, maybe pick fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. He One yep. of those. He, uh, you know, he didn't. He didn't have to prove as much. Right, he had to be good, but he yeah. didn't have to be as good as he's played. The expectations year. piece and yeah. how that affects you mentally and, I, and yeah. yeah, Lamelo doesn't care obviously. He, yeah, he's a very the way he plays on the court is also I feel like how his personality is it's right. Very yeah, fluid and everything. He doesn't really care. He goes what goes with the flow. Yeah, um, and so that works. Where Lonzo, I mean, we talked about this. Like Lonzo, I think that really got to his head.
0: He, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I I guess I don't know. I, I haven't really watched like what he says during games and stuff, but I, I would say Lonzo seems a li- maybe a little more quiet than LaMelo, Right, honestly, like less less in the spotlight. Um, it's really just Labar that pushes that.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. So I mean just this this idea of number one, a dra- draft steals why it happens. We think it has something to do with like being hard to predict like someone's improvement, like how, how much is that trajectory? Yeah. What's that line look like? You know, Sadiq Bey could be a really great player. Right. And not
1: everyone would have thought he'd be as
0: yeah. great. And then yeah, this other piece that like I think what you're also saying is that part of what goes into a draft steal is that, you know, the expectations it's like the expectations might create almost like a, a negative feedback mm-hmm. loop in some ways. Like if you have these High expectations and a lot of pressure, and you start to not live up to those expectations. That can just like fuel, um, you know, your confidence or your lack thereof of confidence. Yeah, that and makes sense, right? And whereas a guy who is coming in later in the draft, who no one is really expecting is going to be great, they can kind of quietly work on their game, absorb all the great training mm-hmm. um, that they're getting from their teams. Um, and then just kind of start to sneak up on
1: you. I'd say Michael Porter Jr. is a good example of that. Yeah. Like he was injured. So like given time, no one was like, oh, what's up with Michael Porter? Right. They were like, oh, you know, I saw him in high school. It was great. Now I kind of forgot about him. Yeah. And so while everyone's forgetting, he's like really improving his game and behind the scenes. And when you improve behind the scenes, it's like, it's really different than like. Absolutely. Then everyone like filming you and being like, oh, he's improving. You know, someone like uh, maybe LeAngelo Ball. Yeah, yeah. When he, whenever he thinks he's going to improve, everyone's watching. They're like, everyone's oh, he might make them. Yeah. We're like, right. Other players, something yeah. like that.
0: You know, and just just to tie this up and go back, like, I think, you know, Steph, you know, who played for uh, a small college, yeah. Davidson, yeah, Davidson, not on their spotlight. I mean, he certainly was on everyone's radar. Um, after, I think, having led his team maybe all the way to the Elite Eight. Yeah, something um, and, and it really – I mean, he, he became a little bit of a name then, but still most of the talk was like uh, he's probably not big enough. Yeah, that – He hasn't played yeah. against good enough competition. Not
1: consistent enough. Not Maybe
0: not consistent enough. He's like more of a scorer than a playmaker and can a guy at that size like score effectively in the NBA. So even Steph, even though he was drafted in the lottery – um, might have benefited from some of the lower expectations, and uh, you know some of the like, well, this is this is where it gets into that confidence game. Yeah. Um, some chance to to have some space also with some early career injuries um, to kind of quietly get better. And uh, and now we're talking about the best shooter in the NBA. Um, Cool, man. This was a great topic. Uh, We could probably run through this with with every team. Mm -hmm. I love the research you're doing. Um, I think we learned a couple things, and I appreciate the time, man. All right. Thank you. All right. Boom.